This week we've, we've embarked on this wonderful and beautiful journey about the Word of God. And I hope that you've been enriched by that, truly. I hope it's me, it means something to you. I hope that we've been able to see the, the message of the Scriptures and the message of the Gospel in a whole new light. And that we've, we've been able to make these connections so that we can see the true, deep meaning that God has always wanted us to experience from His story. The greatest story ever told. The greatest story we'll ever be able to hear. The greatest story we'll ever be able to share. And I hope that you, that, that you walk away with such great uh, impact from, from what God provides through His Word. Uh, you know, as we read what Paul and, and, and Corinthians said about he and Apollos, we're nothing. And this week I've been nothing, and I've, I'm, I'm nothing, and God is all things. And I pray his word has penetrated your hearts and, is, and has been planted, and that it's been watered, and that you will grow and produce much, much fruit for the glory of God. Because that's what we need to understand, and that's the whole point of this story, and us understanding this about Jesus Christ, is you and the divine nature Mankind was created to be holy, and we fell from that. But God this whole time has been working to restore us to holiness. And this is the message of the Scripture for you and for me. And this is the encouragement I want to give to, to you as members of the body of Christ, as members of the royal priesthood. Jesus was everything humanity was waiting for as we were bound under this great burden of sin and death, as it says in Romans, the whole creation groaning together for that day where we can cast that burden off and enter into this beautiful and wonderful experience of Jesus Christ. When Christ was born, uh, and, and prior to the lead-up to his birth, the prophet, uh, the priest, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, said this beautiful prayer, and it sums up everything that we've been waiting for and all the longing of our expectation. In Luke chapter 1, verse 68 through 75, he says, Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. This wasn't just a message that the Jews were waiting for. This is a message that all humanity wanted and needs. And we experienced the realization in Jesus Christ. I hope that you've seen that this week. We've studied through all these wonderful things. We studied about Adam. And I'll tell you, we, brothers and sisters, are created in the form of the new Adam, Jesus Christ. The last Adam, as Paul described him in 1 Corinthians 15. Adam means humanity, man. Jesus is the new humanity. He is the new form that, that we should be conformed to, the new image that we mold ourselves after and conform ourselves to, the pattern and the image and the glory of God. He is the true image. And we, when we're born into Christ, are reborn and recreated according to this new man. As it says in Colossians 3, you have put on the new man, the new standard for what it means to be a child of God, the new standard to, mean, to, to be what it means to be a holy representative of God's glory in this world. And that's what we put on when we come into Christ, which is renewed in the knowledge of Him, after the image of Him that created Him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. God has gathered up all people from all nations, and it does not matter who you are. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter uh, where you come from. It does not matter what your family name is. It does not matter what your skin color is, or your nationality, or your tribe, or your culture. It does not matter 
anymore because Jesus, the great king, the image of God, puts us into him, and we are in Christ, and we all together are the glorious people of Christ. James chapter 1, verse 18, of his own will begat, that means we were born unto, by his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Just as God created Adam to be the pinnacle of his creation and he looks at his creation and says, it is very good. We're created and reborn in the new birth, conformed to the image of man and God looks at us as the first fruits of his creatures, the pinnacle of his creation, reborn now in the image of God so that we can honor him, so that we can honor his commandments, so that we can be in our proper place. Not, con not in conflict any longer, not trying to change God's image, not trying to dishonor His commandments or, or elevate ourselves, but so that we can have unity and harmony with the great God, the holy God with His holy creation, united in peace and in harmony. The exact picture that God intended in the first place. We are, as we studied with Noah, God raised him up from that corruption and washed that away with the waters of destruction. And we, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, are raised up from the water, God having removed our sins, being raised up into new life. And as Noah and his family were raised and elevated to a new humanity, so we are part of the new humanity. To live life new after sin is destroyed by the work of God. Romans chapter 6, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. We're freed from the corruption we're freed from the bondage, and we enter into the new humanity. We, being reborn to Christ in baptism, become the seed of Abraham, the promised seed, the promised line, the line of Isaac, the line of Jesus, the true promised son, to live faithfully and obedient in our lives as children of freedom from bondage. Colossians chapter 1, 13, who, who has delivered us, God, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We, brethren, because we've been pulled out of that darkness and have been elevated, we've been pulled out of slavery and sin and death and been elevated to the status of not slaves anymore, but priests and kings in the kingdom of God, as he's delivered us from that power of darkness and put us into his marvelous light. Um, Galatians chapter 3, I didn't have this verse on here, but it tells us we made part of the, the, the seed of Abraham. He says, you are all children by faith. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. You are all the children of, of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have a right to inherit what God has promised to the faithful seed of Abraham, and he makes us part of his royal priesthood, making us members of his kingdom. And we are made holy through Jesus. In 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, 
a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has made us accepted in Christ. He has made us holy and clean. He cleanses our conscience so that we can stand before him as his royal priesthood. He calls us out of that darkness as those who are not exiled, but those who are reconciled. We're part of the great gathering that Jesus makes unto himself. Ephesians chapter 2, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We no longer have to stand exiled, live in, in a separation estranged from God. Through Jesus Christ, he removes that estrangement, that barrier of sin, and brings us back into a relationship with him. Brothers, sisters, we are the reconciled of God. 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 19 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's us. That's the story we get to be a part of and we get to live in. I hope that you can see and appreciate as we've gone through all of these studies and see how embedded deep in that story is not only the shadow of Christ, but your shadow, and the part that you play, and the part that you are in that story, because that's what this is all about. God is trying to teach us what part we play, and what it means for us. So what is it? What does it mean for you and for me? What is our mission? If this is true, and, these, and we are all these things, what is our mission? God wants us to be holy. That's our mission. Take on the divine nature, the, the holiness of God, be restored to his likeness. First, uh, Second Peter chapter 1. According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God expects us through this message and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the new man, the new Adam, the new humanity, for us to learn to, to, to learn what it means to be part of this new creation and walk in newness of life after the image of Christ so that we can be partakers of the divine nature, His holiness. The Bible encourages us and pleads with us to think about our holiness and to make ourselves after that model of the image of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. He says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Focus, pay attention, be intentional about our lives. Don't live willy-nilly. Live focused and on purpose. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. When God called those children of Israel out of exile and, and brought them out of Egypt, what did he tell them? Be holy, because I am holy. And he gave them these great commands so that they would honor God and they would honor their fellow man and taught them how to be holy as he is holy. And they failed 
But now, through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to, to take up this mission and to be everything that God has expected humanity to be. And as part of the new humanity, part of the divine nature, it's our job to make our lives conform to the image of Christ. That's why Paul said things like in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that he, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, by the, and transformed, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants us to change and to model our lives after Jesus Christ now. And he gives us his holy word, all things that pertain to life and godliness so that we know what to do. He doesn't want us to live blindly. He wants us to know what to do and to know what changes to make and to make our lives fit into this fashion of, of Christ. Now, in this imagery that Peter gives, he talks about us fashioning ourselves according to former lust and our ignorance. Think about the idol worship. God told us not to, to fashion idols. What do you do when they fashion something and you take, it, you take this idol, you take this piece of material, you take out your, your tools and you hammer away and you chisel away according to, for an idol it's according to whatever your imagination wants. And it takes on the form of a man or it takes the form of a beast or it takes the form of both, a man and a beast. And you fashion it with this thing according to your, your own image. And that's what people have done with idols. But the picture that God wants us to get is that our life is the material. Our body and our, our conduct, our conversation, the way we live, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we dress, the way we act is the material. And his, the Word of God is the tool that we use to chisel away at our, ourselves, our own sins, our own problems. It's a mirror that we look at so we can make sure that we're living up to the standard and look like the image of Christ. So that by the time we've taken this Word of God and we're fashioning ourselves, taking away, chiseling away with the Word of God, more and more and more, we're coming out to look like the image of Christ. Fashion yourselves according to God's holiness, not according to our old pattern. I was going to have an illustration, and I totally forgot. I totally blanked out on this, and I feel bad, because I talked to Jack about it throughout the week, and, and he was excited, and I was excited, and then I just forgot. But Jack likes to work leather, and if you didn't know that, then now you all do. But uh, he, he makes some really cool stuff. And he was showing me the process and showing me how to do it. You get this piece of material, this piece of leather, and then you have, uh, man, this was going to be really cool, and I just, I blew it. Uh, it, had, it. He had one that already had a pattern on it, and I was going to bang on it and then show you as if I had created it right then. And I was going to, you were going to be impressed, but I messed that up. But you take this piece of material, and he has this book that has patterns in it. And you take that and you draw it on that piece of paper, you lay it on top of that material, you trace it on top, and once you have kind of an image there of that pattern, you take these tools, these uh, fashioning tools, these engraving tools, and you, you do certain things with these tools, and you hammer away, and you make those, those lines deeper, and those grooves deeper, and deeper, and deeper, so that by the time you're done with it, it comes out looking like the pattern that you have in this book, and, and you have a copy of what's in this book. And the, and the engravings are so deep in there that it's permanent in that. It's permanent. And that's the idea that God wants us to have when we're fashioning our lives according to the pattern of the Scriptures, according to the pattern of the Word, so that we can come out looking like the holiness of God, as His holy and royal priesthood, representatives on this earth of His love, of His, of His mercy, of His grace, of all the fruits of the Spirit that we're commanded to produce. God wants the world to see that, and we are the way that the world can see that if we fashion ourselves according to these things. Uh, 2 Corinthians 
6, God pleads and urges and, and wants us to be careful and mindful of this because as we're living as strangers and pilgrims, there's an opportunity for us to go back and fashion ourselves according to those former lusts. But he doesn't want that. He wants us to pay attention. He wants us to know what's going on around us so that we don't fall back into those ways. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, and it goes on into the, to the next chapter into verse 1. He says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? How can these two go together? They can't. We saw what happened when the children of Israel mixed idol worship with worshiping God at the Mount and Exodus. They made this golden calf and Aaron declared a feast and said, it's a feast to the Lord. Was God pleased with that? No, he wasn't. Neither was Aaron. He came down from the mountain, he broke those tablets of stone, and then he executed judgment against the ungodly. You cannot mix what is holy with, his, with what is unholy. So think about that while we live in this world. Don't try to mix your holiness with the unholiness of the world and call it good. Uh, he says, for you are the temple. You are the temple. We together are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all, from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God brought this about through Jesus Christ so that we could perfect holiness in the fear of God. We could live, as Zechariah said, live and serve Him in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. We need to embrace the idea of holiness. I think for a long time people used the verse in Ecclesiastes saying, oh, you're holier than thou. And it became an insult. And so people started to, afraid, to be afraid to be holy because, well, I don't want people to think I'm better than they are. That's not the point of holiness. But we don't need to run away from holiness. We need to embrace it. It's not some unattainable quality that only God possesses. It's a quality that He wants His children to have. And it takes work for us to do that in the state that we're in, of course. Um, but that's what He wants from us. Be holy as God is holy. And just as God gave Jesus Christ dominion as holy representatives of God, we have to, we're not the ones who are in charge and have dominion over all this earth. Although we're made in His image, and we are the pinnacle of His creation, the first fruits of creation, our job is to submit ourselves to the authority and the dominion of the true King, the true High Priest, that is Jesus, and in this way be subdued to His dominion. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the former conduct of our lives, what we came out of, the darkness. Put that off, the old man, the Adam, the old Adam, the pattern of sin, the pattern of death. Put that off which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, the new Christ, the new humanity, the new Adam, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Jesus Christ is the pattern we ought to follow and submit ourselves to his authority. And when we get these vain ideas, when we, when we want to uh, change the word of God or change his image or change our place, we need to bring that back into subjection through the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God gives us the tool and the weaponry to help us become holy by submitting ourselves to His will. And we are capable of doing that. We like to make excuses. I like to make excuses. Well, it's just tough and oh, I just had this problem and I don't know. There's no excuse. God gives us the tools and, and we can do the work. We can put in the effort and do the work and see the results that God wants us to see. His holiness in our lives. Because that's the entire point. 
It's not impossible for us to do it. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That seems hard to do, but God gives us the equipment and the tools to do it. He gives us all the scriptures that are inspired by His, by his breath that teach us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete completely equipped and furnished to be godly in this world, in this present world. And what do we do? We're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, zealous of holiness. That's what God wants, the restored humanity. He wants us to live in that way now in this present world not conformed, not being overtaken by that enemy any longer, but living as free in Christ, showing His holiness. And we have a responsibility to uphold the holiness of God, and that is to honor Him, love Him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And in the church, Jesus gives us a new commandment, that you love one another as He has loved us, and give your life for one another. So there's a whole lot of putting of ourselves down that we have to do in order to lift somebody else up and to take on these qualities of godliness, to take on these qualities of holiness and to be true representatives of his glory in this world. And I, I tell you, if we do that, brethren, if we commit ourselves to doing that and we do that in this congregation and then if I go back home and I help the brethren out there and they help me to understand how we ought to live and do this and we do it there and then other people do it in their home congregations, and we do it all across the country, and then we're taking this message and this concept and this idea of holiness throughout Belize and through India and through Nigeria, the world can change. It won't completely change. Sin is always going to be a snake in the grass waiting to strike, a chain waiting to be attached onto somebody and chain them into captivity until that final day when Christ comes. But we can make a real difference and show people what it means to be in the family of God. And I'll tell you, the world needs this desperately. The world, uh, uh, the church rather, should have an opportunity right now to display the love and the kindness and the, of the people and the family of God that makes people want to run into these doors. That's why we need to lay down the flesh hooks of our opinions as we talked about the other night so we can show true love between one another and invite other people, other families into this family. Putting on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the peace of God be in subjection to the peace of God and let Him rule in your heart. Submit to His dominion because we're charged to bring glory and honor to God and honoring our fellow man through these methods and through these means. That's the wisdom of God. And if we try it any other way, like we've been doing, that's why there's so many problems in the world because we're looking to other people and other humans to give us solutions to problems that they cannot solve. But God can through Jesus Christ if we'll conform ourselves and really commit ourselves to these ideas. Bring yourself into submission. And the other thing, as God gave the responsibility to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, so are we charged with. I'm not saying go and have a bunch of kids, 
That's fine. That's great. That's wonderful. We need more and more kids. But the true concept that we find in the scriptures of being fruitful and multiplying is inviting people into the family of God. And that means winning souls. Because every time a soul is born into the family of God, that's a new member of the family, a new member of the promised seed. And that's our opportunity to go out into all the world. All the nations can now hear this message and be be restored to Jesus Christ. It's not just for us. It's not just for America. It's not just for certain countries. It's for anybody and everybody. Matthew 28, that's why Jesus made this great commission to his disciples and told them to go to all the world. Because now is the time that the promised seed has come and fulfilled all these things for us. And now the whole world can hear it. Jesus came and spake to them saying, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. He has all dominion over all heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, be fruitful and multiply. Teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Make them part of the seed of Abraham. Help them to learn and to become part of the promised seed, part of the reconciled to God, part of the family of Abraham and and part of the, the children that will experience rest. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, giving them the adoption of sons, teaching them to, the, to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. There's the, the fashioning yourselves and the being holy as he is holy. Teaching whatsoever things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the world. That's what it means for us, the mission of the church. That's why it's so important for us to take on this mindset of evangelism because we're helping the family of God grow and we're being fruitful and multiply and carrying out the charge of Jesus Christ, submitting ourselves to his dominion. So bring new souls into the family through this new birth. And our mission, as we, it was, if we do this thing, I, I tell you we will make a difference and the church stands to gain so much, so much if we will take on and be clothed as Christ in this world. And while we wait here, and we work here, and we labor here, loving one another, forgiving one another, lifting each other up. We're waiting for that great final day where our king will come and he will gather up all the righteous to himself. 1 Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The state that we're in now, we cannot cannot experience the full reality of coming into the kingdom of God. Though we are members of the kingdom, though we are citizens of, of heaven, and living as strangers and pilgrims in this land, we cannot experience the fullness of that joy just yet because we are flesh and blood. We are corruptible. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We'll receive a new body that is capable of entering into that land that God has given us. Prepared because in this life we made ourselves in subjection to him and we made ourselves look like his glory so that when he comes back we will look like his glory and receive that body that looks like his. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. For our conduct is in heaven. Our citizenship, rather, is, is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, who will be made to be like him according to the working whereby he is even able to subdue all things unto himself. And we'll enter into that new place 
And we'll have a joy like we've never experienced before. Revelation 21. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he that said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha, I am Omega, I am the beginning and end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. We're living here in this world, folks, brothers, sisters, with the expectation of experiencing that wonderful day where we'll enter into that place and we'll be able to leave every pain. We'll be able to drop that, that weight, that guilt, that shame that we carry with us, that sin that so easily besets us. We'll be able to leave all of that behind and enter into this beautiful place and be with our God and be with our family. And that'll be a glorious day. That's what we're living for. And that's what we ought to live for today. It's going to be amazing. And we'll be everything we ever wanted to be. And it'll be the most true form of fulfillment. And we'll be the most like God we will ever be able to achieve. And when he turns back our captivity at that last day, as Jesus says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. It will be a reversal of that exile. As Adam was kicked out, we will be welcomed in and we will eat of that tree of life. That's what we're living for today. And I I hope that this is encouraging to you and fills you with such great hope and such great longing and such great desire so that you say, I want to drink from that water and be satisfied. We'll be satisfied. But it requires that we do his commandments. And so I pray, brethren, as you live in this world, as you labor for the souls of this community, I pray that you'll take that charge up and be holy as God is holy. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.